Welcome. You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hello, this is Martin Grote with an article from the October-November 2021 issue of Forbes magazine, America's premier business magazine, brought to you by Airs LA. This article on page 208, Capital Investor. On most of Wall Street, government is a four-letter word. But private equity billionaire Ramzi Musalam has turned tragedy into a Forbes 400 fortune by mastering the motivations of the largest player in the global economy. By Nathan Vardy and Hank Tucker. Ramzi Musalam returned to his desk after a quick trip to the bathroom on September 10, 2012, to find his assistant visibly shaken. She informed him that a call had come in about Musalam's boss, Robert McKeon. He had just killed himself in his southern Connecticut mansion at the age of 58. Musalam jumped in his car and raced the 40 miles up I-95 from Midtown Manhattan to Darien, Connecticut. He was close to McKeon and knew his boss was struggling with his mental health, but Masalem never expected McKeon would take his own life. He was a force of nature. Through sheer will, McKeon had worked himself up from the streets of the Bronx, where his father was a Drake's Cakes delivery man supporting seven children, to the upper echelons of finance. Masalem was in shock. It was just so devastating, Masalem says. For as long as I had known him, we had worked together. It was tough. I'd never experienced anything like this. While McKeon's American dream had soured into a nightmare, Musalem's was about to soar. He returned to the office to devise a plan to stave off the collapse of Veritas Capital, the private equity firm McKeon had founded in 1992. Musalem had come on board in 1998 and was Veritas's second-highest-ranking executive. The morning after the suicide, Musalem began holding emergency meetings with the company's investors. McKeon's death meant they suddenly had the right to tear up their commitments to fund Veritas's deals. Instead, Musalem persuaded them to bet on him. He also cut a deal with McKeon's family that would transfer ownership of McKeon's majority stake in Veritas mostly to Musalem. Years later, the hasty deal would produce bad blood and a lawsuit between Musalem and McKeon's family. But these maneuvers laid the foundation for a stunning Wall Street success. Nearly a decade later, Veritas Capital's assets have grown from $2 billion in 2012 to $36 billion today, and its funds have generated staggering net internal rates of return of 31%. The funds have lost money on only a single investment, $87 million on a solar panel company in New Mexico. And since Musalem took over, Veritas has distributed $12 billion to its investors. At 53, Musalem finds himself worth an estimated $4 billion, good enough for a debut appearance on this year's Forbes 400. Musalem produced this track record by focusing on technology companies that operate in sectors dominated by the United States federal government, particularly defense, health care, and education. America's $6.8 trillion worth of annual spending and sweeping regulatory power give it unparalleled sway in these markets. 
While many buyout firms try to avoid investing in areas affected by government interference, Musalam's strategy hinges on understanding what the most influential player in the global economy will do next. I and the firm maintain a very close proximity to government because government is at the forefront of all the complexities and issues that confront us, says Musalam, sitting in his Manhattan office whose broad views of Central Park mark it as distinctly distant from Washington, D.C. These are government-influenced markets, no doubt about it, and being close to how the government thinks about those markets enables us to understand how we can best invest. The formula has worked. In January, Veritas was listed as the private equity industry's fourth best-performing firm by the closely-followed HEC Dow Jones ranking, ahead of high-flying firms like Toma Bravo, Vista Equity Partners, and Clayton, Dubillier, and Rice. Despite his ease navigating Washington and Wall Street, Musalam shuns publicity. He rarely speaks to the press. He is one of a handful of financiers with top government security clearance. There are people in the private equity world who have a lot of visibility. That is not Ramsey. He is understated but extremely effective, says David Solomon, CEO of Goldman Sachs. He has quietly built an extremely valuable business, being at the intersection of government-regulated markets and technology, which is rare for private equity. A Palestinian Christian born in Jerusalem, Ramsey's father, Samih Musalam, landed in New York City in late 1950, shortly after the first Arab-Israeli war in 1948. His first night at the YMCA, all his belongings were stolen. He persevered, eventually earning a civil engineering degree from the University of Missouri before settling and prospering in Effingham, Illinois. By the mid-1960s, the now successful Semi returned to the Middle East. His second son, Ramsey, was born in 1968 in Amman, Jordan. Samim Hussalam worked for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, moving his family constantly. Ramsey's formative years were spent in emerging markets such as Saudi Arabia and Tanzania. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing there, no village, nothing, recalls Musalam of his years in Africa. We were homeschooled and learned through correspondence. There was no iPad. We would do an assignment, and my mom would mail it in. Musalam says the experience was an immersion course in navigating relationships with people from different cultural backgrounds, one that taught him sensitivity and resilience. His family was once held at gunpoint in Tanzania and shaken down by bandits on a dirt road. I thought it was normal, he says. By the time Musalam was in high school, his family returned to the U.S. and landed in Pinebrook, New Jersey. He studied economics at Colgate University and started on Wall Street as a J.P. Morgan investment banker in 1990 before jumping two years later into private equity at a boutique firm, Berkshire Partners. He then headed to the University of Chicago for business school, where he talked himself into a job with the investment operation of J. Pritzker, the billionaire who built the Hyatt Hotels chain. When he graduated in 1998, Musalam headed to New York, where he was hired by Robert McKeon. Six years earlier, McKeon had founded Veritas Capital, after leaving Wasserstein Perella & Company, the pioneering investment bank co-founded by Bruce Wasserstein and immortalized in a 1989 Forbes story, Bid em Up Bruce, which described how the firm's clients were often coaxed into overpaying for targets. 
McKeon had run Wasserstein Perella's successful private equity arm and had grown tired of funneling most of his unit's profits to Bruce Wasserstein. At Veritas, McKeon owned a majority of the company and raised money on a deal-by-deal -deal basis from a network of CEOs, including Chevron's George Keller and Ford's Harold Red Poling. His only partner was Thomas Campbell, a fellow banker who had left Wasserstein Perella with him to start Veritas and whom McKeon would shove out the door in 2007. Musalem pushed McKeon in two new directions. First, he helped convince McKeon to move beyond his deal-by-deal -deal approach and raise private equity funds from institutional investors that would lock up cash for years. That gave him flexibility and helped the business grow. Second, Musalem figured out that defense contractors would be fertile buyout targets for funds willing to deal with the idiosyncrasies of government contracting. Starting with the purchase of PEI Electronics, a Huntsville, Alabama-based military equipment maker, Veritas cobbled together what would become Integrated Defense Technologies, which it listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 2002. Defense deals would become Veritas's bread and butter. When one looked particularly promising, McKeon would take a cue from Bruce Wasserstein and grab more of the riches for himself. He personally made $350 million just from DynCorp, a military contractor that was sold in 2010. McKeon's death tripped Veritas's key person provision, giving the firm's investors the right to stop providing capital for new deals. Had enough of those investors walked away, it would have destroyed the firm. Masalem had six months to get through the key person process before the investor spigot turned off. I don't get stressed, Masalem says. I was very focused because I knew in my heart that we had a tremendous opportunity. He traveled across America to meet with Veritas's investors, ultimately convincing every one of them to stick with him and his team, partly by cutting Veritas's management fees. There was no real precedent for this, Musalem says. We got 100% approval from our investor base, which nobody thought we could get. At the same time, Musalem had to persuade McKeon's estate, controlled by one of his brothers and established for the benefit of his four children, to transfer McKeon's Veritas ownership to him. Absent Musalem's effort to get investor buy-ins, the whole firm would have collapsed, so his negotiating position with the family was strong. By January 2013, McKeon's family agreed to transfer ownership of Veritas in exchange for 10% of the proceeds of any future sale of its management company and the three general partnerships associated with its existing funds. They also retained a reduced portion of McKeon's performance fees from existing Veritas funds and 5% of the performance fees for the next two funds Veritas raised. It was a complete victory for Mursalem. The firm would remain in business with him as its majority owner and CEO. He was not just dealing with the investors in the firm. He was dealing with losing someone he was close to, and he never wavered, even answering questions that were sometimes probing and personal says Veritas investor Claudia Barron, who runs $6 billion of private equity investments for Chicago-based asset manager PPM America. I thought, if that is how he acts during a stressful time, he's going to have the same level of thoughtfulness and integrity in deal work. For years, Masalem was obsessed with the digitization of health records. He was first turned on to the idea of a government-private sector partnership involving healthcare IT through conversations with Kerry Weems, who headed Medicare in George W. Bush's administration. 
Musala made a habit of staying close to people like Weems, who controlled one of the largest budgets in the U.S. government. Veritas would dip its toe into these waters in 2007 by buying its first healthcare IT services firm, Vangent. It would sell the company to General Dynamics four years later for a $350 million profit. Healthcare is a broken system, Masalem says. My fundamental belief is that technology can improve it. In 2012, Musalem approached information giant Thomson Reuters about buying the businesses it had cobbled together to provide data on insurance claims and health care expenditures to hospitals and insurance companies. Musalem was certain that Veritas needed to go big on health care data, and after putting up $465 million, Veritas was able to acquire the group in a $1.3 billion leveraged buyout, making it one of the firm's largest bets. Musalem renamed the Thomson Reuters unit TrueVen Health Analytics and it initiated $165 million of new capital expenditures to help transform the company from a mere data provider into a business that could help customers learn how to provide better care while reducing costs and waste. To speed things along, TrueVen was paired with a defense intelligence software company Veritas had purchased from Lockheed Martin that had already developed efficient algorithms to analyze petabytes of data. We make our companies collaborate, Musalem says. It's not a nice thing to do. It's a requirement. Musalem pivoted TrueVen toward the public sector. It began selling its services to government customers such as Medicare for the first time. In 2016, Truven sold to IBM for $2.6 billion, making Veritas 3.2 times its original investment. Veritas is the rare government-focused buyout shop that does not hire prominent former politicians or government officials. Instead, Musalem prefers to tap into decades of relationships. He spends a lot of time sitting through briefings in sensitive compartmented information facilities, SCIFs, set up by the military, for which top security clearances are required, and mobile phones are banned. The U.S. government is the largest single investor in technology, bar none, by multiples of what the entire venture capital community invests, dozens of different federal agencies investing directly into companies, Wusalem says. A lot of the businesses that we're very familiar with have gotten their start through government-funded customer R&D programs. Google, Apple, a lot of what is on your iPhone. Tesla is another example. The space companies built through collaboration in some form with the government. The burgeoning field of cybersecurity is another focus for Veritas. In 2014, Wusalem bought a busted security startup called Beyond Trust, putting up $145 million of equity in a $310 million buyout. Veritas had Beyond Trust boost its R&D spending by 44% to bolster its products, which stopped both rogue employees and external bad guys from hacking in. Beyond Trust's revenue swelled, growing 20% a year, and in 2018 Veritas sold it for $755 million, making 3.8 times what it put in. Musalem has kept one foot firmly in the defense arena. In 2015, Veritas, together with some co-investors, put down $845 million to buy flailing aerospace repair company Standard Aero from Dubai Aerospace in a $2.1 billion deal. Musalem had just raised $1.9 billion for Veritas's first new fund under his watch and wagered a big chunk of it on the Scottsdale, Arizona company.
Musalem knew aerospace well, given that Veritas had formerly owned Vertex Aerospace, a standard aero competitor. Standard aero quickly expanded in Europe and Asia. Having developed a way to trim the time required to repair jet engines, it was soon winning new government contracts. In 2019, Musalem sold Standard Aero to Carlyle Group for $5.3 billion, more than tripling Veritas's initial investment. By 2019, Veritas was humming, with all five of its buyout funds performing in the industry's top quartile, according to research firm Quiquin. Simultaneously, the great bull market had outside investors lining up to own stakes in Wall Street's most successful firms, and in 2020, New York-based Dial Capital approached Musalem to buy a stake in the business. In October 2020, Musalem agreed to sell 11.8% of Veritas to Dial for $725 million in cash, plus a $200 million sweetener in the form of a loan to Veritas, which created a windfall for Musalem and his Veritas partners, who pocketed most of the proceeds. The deal valued Veritas at $6.2 billion, with Masalem retaining a majority stake. Unfortunately, the Dial deal upset Robert McKeon's heirs. This February, the family sued Masalem for breach of contract, claiming the $200 million loan was designed to cheat them out of their right to 10% of the proceeds of any sale of the firm, some $20 million. In court filings, Musalem claimed he stayed true to the contract. A loan is not a sale, he stated. In September, New York State Supreme Court Justice Jennifer Schechter agreed with Musalem and tossed out the case. While dealing with McKeon's family, Musalem worked from a desk near a large picture of his father, Sami, who died a year ago. It's a reminder that the American dream is alive and well, but also that great happiness requires more than just great wealth. He did what you hear and read about. He took the boat to New York, Masalem says. He's overlooking and watching me. And that concludes the article, Capital Investor. If you'd like to find out more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us by clicking on any of the social media links at the top of our web pages. If you like what you see or hear, please click the like button. You can subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified whenever each new issue is uploaded. You can also tell us what you think of this podcast or any podcast on Airs LA by emailing us at info at I'm Martin Grote, and I'll be back soon with other articles from the next issue of Forbes magazine. Thank you for listening.